The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Friday, March 17th in Hong Kong, Thursday, March 16th in New York. And coming up today, U.S. equities rally after a major deposit injection at First Republic Bank. Credit Suisse and UBS are said to be opposed to the idea of a forced combination. And the European Central Bank stays the course in raising rates, but it offers few clues about the future. Leaders of Korea and Japan hold a historic summit in Tokyo, Poland sending fighter jets to its neighbor Ukraine, I'm Dan Schwartzman. I'll have news coming up. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Top stories here. The biggest U.S. banks agreeing to deposit $60 billion with First Republic Bank. It's an effort supported by the U.S. government to help stabilize the California lender after the collapse of three regional banks. J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Citigroup and Wells Fargo contributing deposits of $5 billion each. Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley kicking in $2.5 billion. And then there were a number of other banks providing one billion. We heard earlier from Bloomberg's Herman Chan. I think what the government, in conjunction with the private sector banks, are, are doing is drawing a line in the sand, saying that SVB happened, Signature happened. We're not going to let First Republic become a failed bank. Shares of First Republic, as mentioned, swung pretty wildly today, plunging about 36 percent early in the day, then surging as much as 28 percent as details of this plan were first reported. And as mentioned, during the regular session, when it was all said and done, First Republic shares up 10 percent and just now checking again down 23.8 percent in late trading, Rish or uh, Doug. And then after the bell, we learned how much banks have been borrowing from two Fed backstop facilities during the most recent week. The number close to $165 billion. That story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. Data published by the Fed show almost $153 billion in borrowing from the discount window, the traditional liquidity backstop for banks in the week ending March 15th. That is a record high. The prior all-time high was reached during the 2008 financial crisis. The numbers also show just under $12 billion in borrowing from the Fed's new emergency backstop, known as the Bank Term Funding Program, which launched Sunday. Taken together, the amount of credit extended shows a banking system that is still fragile after the collapse of two financial institutions. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen tried to reassure U.S. lawmakers about the collapse of SVB and Signature Bank. Here she is testifying before the Senate Banking Committee. I can reassure the members of the committee that our banking system is sound and that Americans can feel confident that their deposits will be there when they need them. This week's actions demonstrate our resolute commitment to ensure that our financial system remains strong and that depositors' savings remain safe. 
Yellen said that regulators must re-examine banking rules and supervision and make sure that they're appropriate. She added that liquidity in this instance had played a very important role in the recent bank failures. Well, the European Central Bank went ahead today with its planned half-point increase in its key rate. Uh, the rate now lifted to 3%, even though we've been talking about the turbulence in financial markets as it results from some of the liquidity problems in the global banking system. Now, during a press conference, press, uh, President Christine Lagarde said the ECB has a lot of confidence in European banks. In Europe, we have strong supervision, we have strong capital, and we have solid liquidity positions. And as the vice president said, uh, exposures are not concentrated. And based on the work that has been conducted by uh, the SSM, uh, we don't have similar occurrence as the one that uh, occurred uh, in California, for instance. Lagarde went on to say that it wasn't necessary to give guidance on what the ECB will do at its next meeting. She essentially declined that question. She went on to say the elevated level of uncertainty does reinforce the importance of being data dependent. And she added that ECB officials won't wane on their commitment to fight inflation. We're hearing Credit Suisse and UBS are opposed to any kind of forced combination. This comes even as a scenario planning for a government-orchestrated tie-up continues. We get more from Bloomberg's Sonali Basak. UBS Credit Suisse, this was the merger of dreams for a very long time, but the moment in time we find ourselves in now, if UBS were to buy Credit Suisse, they would also take on all the risks tied to Credit Suisse and would also probably also need some support from the Swiss National Bank. We hear that UBS would prefer to focus on its own wealth-centric standalone strategy. And Credit Suisse is seeking some time here to sort through its turnaround after winning a liquidity backstop from the Swiss National Bank. The Swiss government and the lenders are running through a whole range of scenarios, and it remains to be seen which additional steps will be taken. All right, Doug, let's take a closer look here at First Republic shares. So a lot of listeners might be wondering, well, what is First Republic have to pay to get that kind of injection. I mean, it's a it's just a deposit, really, of $30 billion. And it's kind of buried in our story. But First Republic actually will just be paying market rates on that $30 billion. And if you think about it, all of Silicon Valley Bank's depositors were... Uh, confirmed as whole hmm. by by the federal authorities, and yet nobody wants to buy the bank. So you can kind of understand this is just deposits at First Republic. doesn't really change uh, the cash position of the company all that much. And so you, you might wonder if that's why the shares are down so much in after hours. And the, on top of that, initial commitments from these 11 banks that are supplying the uh, deposit injection, that initially will only extend for around 120 days. It could go beyond that, but at this point, I think the focus is on just the next four months or so. Now, maybe the market is concerned about the longer term uh, condition of this bank. We'll have to wait Absolutely. and see on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting is that First Republic since March 9th, so basically just a little over a week, was borrowing money from the Federal Home Loan Bank. It borrowed $10 billion at a rate of 5.09%. So that's what it was costing it to get money into the system. Now you get $30 billion. And I went on their website to see what they're paying for deposits. And of course, it's not posted. And even if you try to get the 120 days in a CD, you don't see the numbers. But you know it's going to be way less than that. 
that. So it's good for First Republic. They're getting cheaper cash, as it were. But the other thing to kind of put your finger on is this idea that consumer sentiment, even business sentiment, may shift in such a way where people feel more confident in being uh, exposed to or deposited, uh, having their deposits with a larger lender rather than a a small uh, boutique regional bank. Yeah, that is a very good point, because this is really about um, depositors and stomping runs on the banks. It's not for saving the equity investors in these banks. Uh, You know, that is a sort of distant down the road thing. But keeping the system working and uh, stopping the bank runs. And that's what these deposits will help do at, at First Republic. But it's a story, as I mentioned, you know, looking at the action after hours shows you that these trends don't last very long. And uh, we don't know exactly where we'll be. The Fed has a lot to think about over the next many days before next week's meeting. All right, it's time for global news. An important summit occurs in Tokyo. Dan Schwartzman with details and the news from the New York newsroom. Dan. Yeah, definitely, Brian. It was a thawing of relations in Tokyo between two Asian powers. South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol meeting with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida as the two countries held their first formal summit since 2011. The two leaders agreed to restart a security dialogue as well as advancing military intelligence sharing. Japan also announcing it would be lifting export controls on three key materials used by Korean chipmakers. The U.S. has wanted the two countries to begin warming relations to counter the threat of North Korea and China. Poland sending fighter jets to Ukraine. Polish President Andrzej Duda says his country is sending four Soviet-era MiG-29s to Ukraine in the next few days. Poland has already begun sending Leopard 2 tanks to its eastern neighbors, with a total of 14 expected to cross the border. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken commenting on the delivery of the jets. Different countries are doing different things in response to uh, uh, what they have uh, and uh, what uh, the perceived needs are. Blinken was speaking from the West African nation of Niger. China and Ukraine's foreign ministers holding rare talks ahead of a possible conversation between the country's two presidents. King Gang telling Dimitro Kuleba that China is committed to promoting peace while also wanting to advance negotiations. Kuleba said he discussed with Gang the, quote, significance of the principle of territorial integrity. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and his counterpart Xi Jinping could talk for the first time as early as next week after she is expected to be visiting Moscow. Russia is looking to recover the wreckage of the U.S. drone that went down in the Black Sea. The U.S. says that anything sensitive on the craft would have either sank into the ocean or was destroyed as the drone operators took mitigating measures. Video of the intercept by two Russian Su-27 fighter jets showed the plane spraying jet fuel on the drone before one of the planes appears to clip the propeller of the drone. Russia claims the drone went down due to, quote, abrupt maneuvering. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder on why Russia can't get much info from the wreckage. I'm not going to go into detail but that we took steps to protect information aboard that aircraft and two, the fact that it crashed in uh, extremely deep water. General Ryder was speaking to reporters at the Pentagon. California's crippling drought that has lasted three years is close to ending as strong storms over the past few months have left behind a record snowpack in the Sierra Nevadas. California relies mainly on snow and rain for the bulk of its water to feed its large agricultural industry. Global News 24 hours a day powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Dan Schwartzman and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th. 
A thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong alongside Rashad Salamat. So let's welcome to the airwaves Anne Barry, founder and managing partner at Threadneedle. And we're, uh, we appear to be at the at or near the end of the rate hiking cycle, um, regardless of what the Fed does next week. I mean, we're getting somewhere close. So I get the enthusiasm today, a little bit of a relief rally with the deposit story at First Republic. But doesn't the downside risk outweigh um, the, the upside possibilities at the moment? Sell. Come back later. Brian, wow, did you read my mind and sort of take my talking point and say it, say it right there, sell and come back later? I, I think, Brian, that the question around the Fed is the really critical one, particularly in light of what happened with the ECB making the choice to hike rates. If the Fed doesn't hike next week, given that the inflation data here in the US was pretty strong, is that the Fed going to be perceived to be as having a vote of no confidence in the US banking system? Does it almost need to hike at this point? Because if it doesn't, people are saying it sends the wrong signal. I think it's tricky. I think we are going to have to anticipate a rate hike coming through, no matter what's going on right now with, with FRB. Uh, I, I mean, that is, I think you hit the nail on the head. They are caught between a rock and a hard place, though. Yeah, they really well, are. Uh, there's, there's no win. Some some humility could be in order. I mean, nobody saw this coming, really. I mean, there may have been a few people out there shorting these regional banks uh, because they they saw the mismatch. But for the market's point of view, I mean, we didn't really see this coming. And the Fed wasn't really talking about this and warning about it. Uh, uh, wouldn't it just be a humble move to say, yeah, I mean, we're confident in the banking system, but we've seen some ructions here. We've had three bank failures. It's prudent to pause here and assess, and we'll see what happens next. I think that would be a real admission of failure that the Fed can't really afford to do from a credibility perspective right now, Brian. When you think about uh, the Fed's focus, it has been consistent that it has to be uniformly uh focus on making sure that inflation comes down. Maximum possible employment at the lowest possible inflation rate. If they do not believe, if the uh, if the street doesn't believe, if the market doesn't believe that there's a fundamental risk to unemployment right now and inflation continues to be high, I don't think the Fed has any choice, particularly, particularly since there have been a number of statements coming out now from the White House and from Secretary Treasury, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen saying that there is confidence in the banking system. If the Fed doesn't move on that basis, it's contradicting central government. All right, Anne, but let's have a look at all this, you know, because at the same time, we, you know, SVB, then we went into this uh, slight bit of a lull. But, uh, you know, you almost felt as though investors were waiting for the next shoe to drop. And then yeah. we got Credit Suisse. Was that the shoe which dropped? Because really, ultimately, that's uh, been in the making for a while, that problem. Yeah, I agree with I think I agree with that. The Credit Suisse issue has been a making in the making for a long time and you can see it in its share price. It's just been consistently declining since post the great financial crisis. SVB is a different thing. And here's where I think the shoe's about to drop next. And it's not about systemic banking issues. It's about the fact that endowments and pension funds haven't yet seen the full hit to their positions in venture capital and in private capital markets mm. because those funds haven't yet sufficiently marked 
their portfolios yeah. down. But now with SVB, they're going to have to. What are we talking about in terms of exposure here? Because uh, these are meant to be retirement funds and meant to be quite yeah. conservative. Yeah, I mean, it's been significant. If you take a look at a lot of the endowments and pension funds, they have been ex- increasing their exposure certainly to later stage private equity, but also to venture capital over time. And if you see what happened, Richard, you saw that a lot of these funds, Tiger, marked its venture portfolio down uh, 33% for 2022. SoftBank has marked their portfolios down for 20% for 2022. But now we're in 2023. And what happens if someone tries to turn up to buy Silicon Valley Bank's $10 billion portfolio for even bigger discounts then what are the endowments and pension funds going to have to do? They're going to have to take their marks down further. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised because you know, it would seem like from your words to the Fed's ears. I mean, are they not listening? Are they not seeing that? Uh, but you're saying that you still think that they have to raise 25 basis points. In the end, does it really matter at all whether it's 25 or pause? The commentary is going to have to be something about uh, we're – you know, we're assessing where we're at and we're uh, paying some respect to the long and variable lag angle. I think certainly the voiceover. So when we see Jay Powell come out and do his press conference and we read through the minutes, I think we definitely need to see that language, Brian. But when it comes to the actual execution of a hike, will they pause or not? I'm at least hopeful that they go up and they pursue that 25 basis points because inflation's not under control yet. And there's no sign really that there's going to be that control, that 2% target going to be hit any time in the next 12 months right now. Well, tell me, Anne, um, you know, so we're talking about financials, but about the, you know, this is one thing which is not as regulated. It's uh, and a bit definitely more opaque. How does this all creep into the non-banking side of the economy and the, and the you know, the non-formalized banking sector? Well, parts of the non-formalized banking sector that has been growing over time is the private credit uh, area. So if you take a look, for example, at these big asset managers, which have traditionally been in private equity, or they've had some public market arms, such as Blackstone, or if you take a look at Apollo, which is a name that's been going around a lot as a potential bidder for SVB lately. Traditionally, they've made their name in private equity, but private credit is really where a lot of the action has tended to happen. And what we're seeing now with the banks, where confidence is low, I think we're going to see the pullback in commercial lending uh, by these big banks as they try and tighten their underwriting standards. And that's where we could see these non-traditional capital providers step in. Yeah, let's take a closer look at First Republic. Uh, it's only one bank, but you've written about yeah. it in your notes, so fair, fair game. Uh, we <laughs> see the stock, the stock's down pretty sharply in after hours now. I know that liquidity is a bit thin uh, yeah. in late trading there, but but still, I mean, you have to pay respect to that twenty percent down after this thirty billion in, injection. It's only a deposit injection, and yeah. the analogy that I made earlier, I think, is real. That uh, Silicon Valley Bank, nobody's buying it, even though all the deposits were guaranteed. And yep. here you have First Republic get thirty billion, but you know there's who knows whether they get any more, and then people sell down the stock. Well, I think the question is whether there's going to be a guarantee extended beyond the two hundred fifty thousand limit for First Republic in the way that there has been for Signature and for SBB. I, I mean, I, I think Brian, what's interesting, the eleven banks coming in with a thirty billion dollars of deposits. In my mind is the banking system self-medicating in the hope that this means the regulators won't have to come in and cure it for them. But you raised the point earlier, it's only a 120-day solution. And so I think this 20% down in the after-hours trading is a reflection of the fact the market's saying, look, we really like the sign of, of confidence. We like the fact the banking system is rallying together and trying to be collegial about this, but it doesn't solve the longer-term issue. We need evidence from First Republic that there's no bigger fundamental issue and that yeah. confidence can be restored. 
Okay, 20 seconds or so. Where would you put new money at the moment or would you hold it in cash? I'm holding it in cash. I have been for a while, Brian. It's particularly creative or imaginative, but until this shakes out, I really fail to see something that's yielding a better return than holding short duration treasuries to maturity. And thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Ann Barry, founder and managing partner at Threadneedle. This is Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa. Play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.